Welcome to The Spill Podcast. We know you're obsessed with creating your own success in your own way, and you know you've got more. More to earn, more to experience, more to create, and more to give. And you're right. You just need to know some of the pieces and the moves to make. The conversations are real, honest, funny, and hopefully valuable. Away from the filters, the reels, and having to have the perfect script. We believe in opening the door for the next woman, helping guide you with conversations and exceptional guest speakers, spilling truths, tools, and guidance to help you expand your own expression of success. And knowing that when you do, that's when the good stuff the world needs more of happens. Laughs and explicit language are almost always guaranteed. Let's spill. Welcome, Nick. Everyone is definitely in for a treat for this episode. Nilu Taror, it is so great to have you. How are you? I am really, really on top of the world talking to oh. you, Beck and Nick. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, you're so welcome. And I love that you just started out by saying, you're not good, you're not great, you're on top of the world. And that is just a little insight to what all of you are going to get through this episode. So a quick bio on Nilu. Uh, since 2004, Nilu has been running a very successful chain of cosmetic clinics specializing in skin and body treatments. She's an advocate and leader in her community for women developing confidence, control and independence in their life. But what we love the most about Nilu is her heart and commitment to giving back. She's created meditation and breathing workshops to make a difference on an individual level, which leads to community level and impact. And last but not least, Nilu loves and celebrates life to the fullest, and we all need a little more of that. So, Nick, we are going to get into some rapid fire questions, and all of our listeners are going to get to know Nilu probably in the next six questions with a couple of her answers. So, Nick, what have we got? Okay, Nilu. So, first thing that comes to your mind, uh, here's one for you, and I do remember you telling me about a dinner party you went to. So, I want you to. Take your mind back to that and imagine you're at a dinner party and the night's getting a little bit crazy and there's a pool there. Does Nilu, does she cannonball into the pool or are you a bit of a toe dipper? Uh, I mix of both humans. I will not jump in for sure. That's that's me. I'm pretty safe for a few things. But seeing people into the pool and like I will still not make them feel that I'm not in the pool. I'll be having fun with them but outside. <laughs> <laughs> love that always looking out for other people okay Neelu my next question is would you rather have a pause button for your life or a rewind button for your life oh very good one rewind inside mm. uh-huh. mm. nice. yeah. okay here is one for you would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your grandchildren? Oh, my God, I'm waiting for this day, you know. I live in the moment because I'm a girl who celebrates each moment. I'm always in the present. But yes, given a chance, my grandchildren, yes. I've heard so many stories from all the grandparents. It, when you have grandchildren, life goes like this and life goes like that. I can't wait to have them and meet them, of course. So Neelu, if your son's listening, I'm sure he's got the hint for that one. So we'll just leave that one there. Um, Neelu, my next question is, what's the best advice that you've received this year? 
be yourself, live for yourself, mm. and step up when it is needed, especially being an Indian woman. Mm. Okay, we're going to touch on that a little bit more, actually. But the last one, we're going to go back to the pool party again, because I want to know what drives you need, Lou. So if you walk into this house, dinner party, on the left is all the beautiful nibbles. On the right is all of the drinks, the wine, the cocktails. Which one do you dart towards first? Uh, if I tell you honestly, I don't drink. So definitely my first priority can be a mojito or a mocktail. I love drinking and everywhere I go, they have lovely mocktails nowadays. And yes, we do get 0% alcohol as well, beer and wine, which I enjoy. But given a choice, I think it will be a mojito without alcohol. Yes. I love it. I'll give it all the ladies on here a bit of a tip because Beck and I have actually gone through this situation ourselves. And we're like, what would we do? Here's the tip. Go with your best friend. One of you darts to the food. One of you darts to the drinks. You meet in the middle. You don't talk to anyone. You just enjoy yourself. <laughs> Good one. I like that. I'll take that tip from you guys. Well done. <laughs> okay. So Nilu, I would love to know, let's kick this off. And, and the thing that you said then about be yourself um, for yourself, and especially you touched on with um, Indian women and culture as well. I know that you moved from India to New Zealand, um, and I would love for you to share with us and the listeners just your experience with that. What age did you move and what were maybe the culture shocks at that age coming over? So just a little bit about your background and, and moving cultures from India to New Zealand. Yeah, this takes me to that rewind button, which uh, Beck asked me 20 years ago when I moved in. I was 32 that time and life was extremely comfortable in India. I didn't know what the real life is. I was running successful businesses wherein a lot of people used to help me. My life used to be go to work three, four hours. Then my driver used to come, get my car done in, into the car, going to kitty parties, evenings meeting parents. I was locally married or my son playing with him because... Uh, I had around three or four servants looking after my child only, then a cook, then a cleaner. So life was like a queen. I didn't do anything out there. And then I don't know where and how we just ended up into a seminar where there was something like um, immigration to Canada. So we went there and the guy said, Canada might take three years to reach in. So we moved to the next booth and that was New Zealand. And they said, you'll be in New Zealand within six months. He said, okay, let's. And it was just, life was extremely comfortable back home. And we filled in our application. I think the residency was very easy. We got the call. And till then, honestly, Nick and Beck, I had no clue where I'm ending into. We thought life is great. Life gonna be extremely beautiful overseas because that's what my agent told me. Oh my God, you just landed, you sell your businesses in India, you land in New Zealand and you're ready for a new life. And the business is like this and this. Finally, we landed. And we ended him into a friend's home. I still remember a little two-bedroom home. His wife was not at all happy seeing me. And I'm like, oh my God, what has happened? So from there, we started with very basic jobs. I was very lucky to get my first job. Like I was always a girl who could go into public and say, hey, this is me. I'm looking for a job. I'm a new immigrant. Do you have any jobs available? The first job I got was in Subway. And now the fun was I was always a vegetarian. I didn't know which meat used to go in which sandwich. And in the <laughs> subway, and they, 
the guy wasn't he was an, a guy from iran who was the owner and he was very fond of me for what i don't know so i mean you know this is salmon and this is this and this is tuna and i'm like what the hell is going on and really honestly i have made wrong sandwiches again i don't know i believe in my spiritual energies so whatever no customer came back and i'm like shit i've done it again wrong guys from there within the first 10 days i got a job in call center in telstra clear that used to be the company in oakland i got the job the guy was very the manager was from ireland very handsome james i still remember his name i got a job there and oh, yeah yeah so i used to make a lot of money there with all my, i was always good at sales so i got the job and i started working in there and Honestly, because I got my Telstra clear job in the third week of coming to New Zealand, I was such an idiot. I didn't know what the notice period is, four weeks notice. I went to my owner saying, hey, in subway owners, I mean, I said, hey, I've got a job in Telstra clear, so I need to leave. He said, okay, fine. And he didn't pay me. The first salary I worked in this country for two and a half weeks, I have not been paid till date. And I was like, what the hell is this and this? And I was always, I was very hyper. I'm still... But those days were like, what the hell? And I'm going to do this to him and this to him, but nothing happened. Then my journey started from Telstra Clear. From there, I moved to, jumped up to um, Telecom. That time used to be Telecom. Now it is Spark. And I was the home business accounts manager there. I did pretty well. And then life was very difficult. I could not handle the pressure. It was very, very bad because I used to spend such good time in India with my child, with all these servants around. Coming to New Zealand, like I used to cry every evening, feet up and Sujay, and that's my husband, I'm going to go back. I don't want to be here. I used to cry. I couldn't do any vacuuming, any washing, because I have never been used to do that. And cooking, oh my God. I used to like, and then my son was my like main center of attraction. I had no time for him. I was only working, working and working. And the whole, that pressure when you come into a country, like India, I could never realize I had any financial pressures or oh my God, the salary hasn't come in. I think I've never bothered for 30 years of my life. Coming to New Zealand was like, oh my God, I need overtime. I need to get my target. I need to get my commission. So this became my life. Mm -hmm. And it was not easy because I remember my son was around five. Yeah, I remember he started his schooling here. So then the journey started. Then being in New Zealand for two years, so my husband said, we have got the residency. You move back to India with the boy get him the education of India, stay with my parents. We have a lovely home out there and enjoy life. I came, went back to India in 2006. I went back with everything we sold, everything, whatever we had. My husband moved to my friend's place as a paying guest. There he thought he will get his citizenship. So the whole family will get it. And then we'll see if it, my son needs it when he'll be 20. So I went back to India in 2006. We started our life again. Sujay was alone here. I resigned my job. I was doing very well and started looking after my son. And then it was my 360 degree turnover because I have a spiritual master in my life. I got a chance to meet him. I said, this is how we have decided to come back to India. He said, now nah, you go back. And then journey again, I called my husband. I'm coming back. Hey, he said, what the hell? We have sold everything. We have no job, darling. You're not coming back. And then mother-in-law was very happy. She wanted me to be in New Zealand with the family, with the son, me and my husband. I'm like, okay, I'm coming back. So I came back and that time I decided to study beauty to do something very small from home to look after my only child. So then the journey, it says it all. I got into a beauty diploma, which I did from International College in New Zealand. 
I was a good student. I did well. I started from home. And oh my God, when I started from home, I think I'm going to make huge money. Yes, client used to come, but I was a girl who was always out talking to people and locking myself into photos and for walls and talking to people, haggling for money for $2 and $3. I said, oh my God, that's not me, Neelu, not at all. And then I started, I really worked hard. That time I got a lot of jewelry, Indian clothes from India. I used to carry them in buses, three buses changing. There used to be some markets and hospitals. I used to go by my own and just putting those stalls, even making $40 a day was like, wow, I did something. Yeah. Life was like, I, I think why I was doing it, I didn't know because we have been always very comfortable, but there the point came in. I was a girl who was always standing for herself, wanted to do something for myself. So my hubby said, Nana, no requirement for you to go and open up the stalls and every hospitals and all that. But I don't know, it, people always like, people around me, they've always driven me and I feel happy around them. And from there, when I finished my beauty diploma while doing this part-time, I started from home. I didn't enjoy. I started doing the stall thing, which was all right. Then I got my first break in Havana, which I'm the owner now. And no looking back. I worked for them for three months. The guy said, he's an Australian owner still. He said, take over. So I bought over and then my journey again took another term that I got a lot of support from doctors all over the world. I got trained by dermatologists, surgeons, and journey has been great so far. I've been owning four clinics, which out of them I have sold two, and I'm still owning two at the moment. Nilu, I just learned a whole lot more about you. And I'm sitting here and I know that we're going to talk all these things, but the reality of what your life was and, and could have continued to be, the comfortability of it, the ease, the help, the service, the, all of that, the luxury, but there was, there's obviously something in you to, to have the ability to restart again and again and restart again and again and do the work from the ground up. Like I can't even imagine just the, the resilience and the skill sets and the thick skin with the loving heart, like the, the combination of both, um, that you literally over that 20 years have I got built in you. It's, it actually makes sense as to why you are the woman you are right now because Beck and I often say, gosh, we love Nilu. Like she is such a phenomenal woman. The way she speaks, the posture she has, the directiveness, the everything. It's just like, but now I get how you've got there. So I just want to say hats off to you because you could have stayed comfortable and you just, to be able to restart and build that resilience muscle is, I just think just amazing. So that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how did I do it, Nick, honestly. Like, I'm just thinking about all those memories and I'm like, oh my God, did I really do that? But I think that's it, right? And, you know, anyone listening in, often when you're in it, you don't know how you're doing it because you just are. And when you reflect back, sometimes you can only see when you're looking, you know, in the past. You can't necessarily see the step forward until you take it. But often it's like, how did I do it? But it's cool to draw on those strengths a lot of the time. You know, when sometimes you're feeling that self-doubt or you're feeling, well, I do anyway, where I'm like, am I really capable or can I do this? It's sometimes good to look back and go, well, what have I done before that, pr that is proof that I can do this again? Um, and you've got a lot of things in, in your belt there. So that's, that's really awesome. Very inspiring. 
And I'm still stuck on having full-time servants to then working at full-time at Subway. It's like from servants to working at Subway. And Nick, Nick summed that up beautifully, but Neely, that kind of gets me into my next, my next question. So you clearly have built a very successful business. And I also would like to say a successful life in so many areas. And what do you believe being in business as a woman and with your culture has done for you? I have grown a lot in New Zealand. Thanks and salute to all the New Zealanders. Honestly, Beck and Nick, I have learned so much from this country and this country has given me what not. I remember when I went for my first interview at Avana, which I own now, there was a doctor who was interviewing me. I had no clue that they're taking me on the boat because they didn't find anyone. I had no clue. I got the job and I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I picked up the job and the doctor was, okay, we get along. We try to do good things together. And it was so difficult to work to start with because I was an immigrant, very new to the country, didn't know the culture, what people, I didn't know the difference between a partner, a boyfriend and a fiance. My life was boyfriend, then a husband. That's all I have seen. So once like anyone who's coming through the door, India, it's a culture to ask, oh, so you're married. How's your husband doing? That was Nilu. And having taught, you cannot ask this. And I'm like, why can't I ask this? You know, simple little things. I didn't know. And then gradually that um, I remember like when I started working for Havana uh, and in Oakland and yes, I started my journey with that. Initially, it was hard for me to understand people because my sense of humor was totally from different part of the world. Just still there, but my son's mocks at me, mom, don't be Indian. All right, I don't care about it anymore. But those times I'm like, okay, because I was very good with picking up people, people's energies. That's my, that's really, I'm blessed with, thank you, God. So I could see people are not comfortable with me and I could pick it up in no time. People were looking down upon me. They were taking me as a simple beauty therapist. Okay, she'll just do our job and they used to take me for a ride. But my owner used to trust me a lot. So I used to tell him every day, this is happening, that is happening. So from there, when the journey started, when the offer came to me in six months that I'm buying, I still remember that guy, I don't see him. He is a wonderful, wonderful client of mine. He was, I must say, a Kiwi man, my age. So I said, hey, I'm getting this offer and I'm trying to accept it. He said, hey, hang on, are you really gonna buy it? I said, why? What He said, would you like to hear the real words? I said, yeah, I would love to. I'm talking of 2004. He said, hey girl, you're an Indian and people will not trust you. I said, okay. I said, look, you've been coming to me for almost three months now. Don't you like me anymore? He said, yeah, but I just take you that you are just a therapist here and just doing my job, but the owner sits in Australia. I said, he's not an, Australian as well. He's an immigrant too. I wouldn't like to tell his details to you, but he's not an Australian as well. So fine. And he said, okay, this is my advice. Don't buy the business because people are pretty picky out here. They would love to go wherein they see the same skin color. It was very vocal to me, very open, which I am also. I came home and I told my husband, I said, oh my God, I'm not going to buy the business. But that shook my confidence a little bit because he's a very prominent guy. Then my hubby said, Nilu, look, you know the business, how it is running. You know how the numbers are coming. The figures are coming. People know you. You have been fully booked back to back. Just buy. And then it's fine. Mm -hmm. We just agreed. We bought it. And I think no looking back. And I never, honestly, I've got a lot of Indian friends who have said, till date, they tell me, oh, there is a racism. There is this. Honestly, honestly, Beck and Nick, I have never, ever experienced because it's your own 
attitude towards others, which makes you feel that they are against you. I have mm. never experienced this in New Zealand so far. Yes, I could feel there is a reservation, but if you go with an open heart, it falls in place. Mm. It's a couple of things there, Nilu, and I'd love to get your idea, I guess your thought behind it as well, because to me, that's an energetic thing. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you mirror and you experience what you put off often. And the fact that a couple of really, the things that got me there, one, there was this gentleman who had this view. And as you said, successful in his own right, a prominent gen- gentleman, someone that you would listen to. And then on the other side, you have the owner and your husband who just seen greatness in you. They seen it differently. And I want to acknowledge that because I think it's such a key, key thing that we, we need to have people around us who see that we're better and greater than what we sometimes see ourselves to be. It is so important to have those people to pull that out. And that to me seems like what the owner was there to do for you and take you on that path. Um, but it also just shows you are going to have two sides. There are two sides of the coin, every single coin. There is light and there is dark. There is happy and there is sad. You can't have one without the other. We need contrast. And so you are going to have one opinion and an opposing opinion. But we do get to choose which one we buy into. We always are choosing that. So I think, yeah, it could have rocked you. I imagine that your confidence was rocked a little bit. One, you're putting your finances on the line, your credibility on the line, your livelihood on the line. It's a big decision, but you went for it anyway. Yes. Mm. Can we talk about with the Indian culture? And look, I, I think that it's huge within that culture, but I actually think that it um, is for women all over. It's for women that I work with. I want to talk about independence for women. Uh, and you mentioned this to us, that there's this superficial independence because women are told that they're independent, but they don't actually live independently and make decisions from an independent space or choose their life from an independent space. Um, You've seen this a lot, obviously, within your community and culture. I think we see it across the board as well. What's your experience with that, with speaking with women who are struggling to take control of their independence? Like, what do you think the, the core, maybe the core problem or cause of it is? What happens like that when you leave your country and you come to a foreign land, definitely for 20, 30 odd years, you have been brought up in a specific environment. You get those values to a new country and then you see a totally new world. Number one kind of a woman whom I know they get too much carried away with this kind of a culture shock. So they cannot say no, they cannot stop. They get carried away. So, and there's another lot, we are in this lot of dominance of men at home wherein they are not allowed to open their mouth. But what's happening, they're not allowed to open their mouth at home. But when they go to the work culture, they see the independence of women. They see the woman who's doing everything on her own. So that creates a sort of a conflict in her own mind. And then the other thing which has come in my life personally, I I think most of my friends as well, when your kid has come in, he definitely had some Indian values in him because Ariman came very young. So those values, you would like to give it to him back because you have been brought up for 30 odd years in India. That boy is okay till he's 10, 11 because he's been only seeing you as mother. But then 
he also start going to his primary school, that is still okay. Then he starts going to the intermediate. And he says, mom, nah, it's not gonna be like this. It's gonna be like this. And you're like, what? You cannot reply me back because that's not our culture. So that woman who came as a very timid lady a few years ago when the kids start growing up and she sees her workmates that, oh, they are really enjoying their life. She also would like to do that. Initially, she does go out, but she's a little bit scared. She doesn't know how to behave, maybe going in a party or paying for, like in India, if someone throws a party, that person pays for everyone. It's not like a system that we're in, you pay on your own. So it's like my, when my, I remember when it was my son's first birthday here, we used to have huge parties in India. And when it first birthday, I said, Ariman, where are we going to take your friends to Pizza Hut or where? He said, no, you'll go to this restaurant in New Market. They will all pay on their own. And me and my hubby were like, what? No way. It's that Indian culture that the host pays the whole bill. So coming into that kind of a culture. And then, you know, like in India, it's pretty clear the woman, now they have started drinking a lot, but during my times it was, they were drinking, but behind the door. So when you come in here, it's like culture shock. Your friends will put pressure on you. Hey, you have to drink. It's my one plus one party and my bosses will watch on news. So you'll have to drink. So I've gone through even those conflicting situations. I said, nah, I don't drink. And I've got all the guts to say, I don't drink. So my friend, you're not coming with me to the party. Then I said, I don't care. But I was very lucky, I must say, a lot of support of my family. And I've always been a strong girl, but most of the women, they break down there. They have to carry themselves as a different woman when they go out in only in the female company. And they work very differently when they come home and they become wives again. So I've been given this, uh, not given this, I would say, I have taken this, that I speak my heart out to my husband. If something is not right, it's still they've been married for 26 years. If it is wrong, I say it is wrong. I'm not accepting it. But women mostly, especially from, I think, the Asian countries, I, I think most of the women, what you said, Nick, I would say yes to it. Some of them, they lie big time they lie big time because they have to keep up that brave face that they're very happy outside because being a skin consultant, I deal with women one-to-one. -one, I know what they go through. It's a very artificial life. And what you said with the cultural upbringing, I think they still take it very well till then the kids have not become adults. When the kids have become adults and they say, mom, we are leaving you now. It's very hard for an Indian parenting. Oh my God, my child is going to go. What the society will say, what's going to happen. It's a whole, like, I can see women when I see them and I take my well-being workshops. They are not knowing who they are themselves. They're expecting a radical change by doing a meditation workshop or a well-being workshop. Nothing can help them. I need to be realistic to myself first. Then only I can make changes in anyone else. And it's been going on. I still see them. Then the kids, they go, they grow, they get married. So Nick, I don't know where do I stop now. It can go on and on. It's, it's, uh, it's very artificial. Yeah. yeah. It's, the, the thing that is getting me is, like you said, is um, how many women are living a lie. And, you know, whether you're from that Indian, Asian culture, that background, I, I don't think you have to be. I think a lot of other women are as well. I think it's just heightened from your culture because of your upbringing and, and the switch of moving countries and cultures and everything that comes with that. But 
the exhaustion that must come from living that lie and nearly like death from the inside out. Because, I mean, one thing that we always talk about, back in Women, Wine and Wealth is as women, we have to deeply, truly know who we are. Like that's the kind of the first piece of the, the whole puzzle, no matter what you want in life, is like, do you know who you are? Because until you know who you are, you will always be influenced by what someone else wants. And I all I'm imagining is like a puppet on a string just you know playing this role playing this identity okay I'm home I'm switching hats um and I feel a little bit sad it's very Thinking sad actually it's very sad Nick it's like I see my, my like my friends around me I see my clients around me even my staff who are young girls and you can't live that life alone they get diseases they get mental problems they get health issues but that's how life is and, and they're all they're all the symptoms right of something isn't right like our body is always talking to us you know this better than anyone Neelu with and I, I'd love to just I, I think understand more of what you do with your meditations with your breathing work because our body is always talking to us often we're putting it on mute though um, and yeah I, I but what I want to know because for me, you are not in that lane. You're from that culture. You have the same background. You got brought up in really the wealthy side of it as well. So, I mean, it was very much those values, but you're, you're different in a way. So how do you, and I love this because everyone needs someone to lead. Uh, and I, I want to know, like, what's the first thing that you work on with women or that you would tell women listening into this that relate to that, that feel like they're running so many different identities, that they're kind of living a lie in different spaces of their life? Where do they need to start? Like, what, what do you help them with? Because you know something that they don't. You do something that they don't, obviously. I would be saying yes. First of all, if the woman, they don't open up very quickly because they have got a lot of holding on and they say that point comes into a woman's life or she may judge me or he may judge me so for me personally I've been running workshops especially during the COVID times last time I was running a community workshop for the women and yes just listening to them for hours hours so that they start knowing oh this woman I can trust I can relate to if I share anything personal with her it will only be with her but most of the time Woman is not supporting the other woman, which pisses me off the most. I really want to kill those women. Sorry to use this harsh language over the podcast. But I, Don't we you. I hate it. I hate it. Too. And I've literally, I've got, lately I've got few friends. I have abandoned them. My husband said, oh, they're calling. I said, I am not going. Like this year after COVID, I don't know what has shifted in me. I cannot go to any place where I have to act. And people mm. are, talking, I know they're talking that bad or good, I don't care about me, but on your face, they are like, da 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 da. And you're like, hang on, guys, let me be myself. So, listening to the woman, and yes, you get authentic women for sure. If they trust you, like I met both of you a couple of months ago during COVID, thanks to COVID, that I started my college and I met both of you, and there we go. So, we started relating to each other more. So, it's a time factor, but Honestly, what I would say, like and back, if the woman, she takes this challenge, she wants to change herself, she can. She doesn't step up, number one. She loses the confidence after some age. She gets too carried away with the worldly things, even after 50, which is very sad. 
So everything starts from the emotion level. From emotional level, it goes to your thought level. From thought level, it goes to your action level. So with the woman, the problem is moment it hits the emotional level, she cries, she does the drama, and she definitely kills herself at the first level. She doesn't make it to the thought and the action. But whenever the emotion comes, if you just use your little bit of intellectual ability, act on it wisely, women can do wonders. They are storehouse of energies, honestly. And I feel very sorry for women when they come in contact with me. They want to change the world over three, four days courses. Coming the sixth day, they are very busy in their day-to-day -day life. And you're like, okay, one day their time will come. But few of us are very close now. I could see the changes in them. But another thing which I would say, uh, mainly women from my, I would say, world, it is lack of discipline. Big time lack of discipline. They have no time for themselves. They have time for everyone around them. And that is what they want to live the life for. And when they're sitting, they are complaining. They are. Now, I, I could see the change is happening. It is happening. People are celebrating more. People are taking out time for themselves. But any woman who's listening to this podcast, my only request is prioritize yourself. Give time to yourself. Go for massages. Go for pedicure, manicure. Pamper yourself or whatever you love to do. Gardening, like whatever you love to do, please do it. Neelu, that's so beautiful. And I'm still stuck on the exhaustion. Nick, you said it before, and that was the first word that came to me as well when you spoke about women being one person in front of people and then behind closed doors. Like it, I felt saddened and totally exhausted. And listen, I'm, I'm just going to call this because I know we've spoken around culture. Um, there's a lot of tall poppy in New Zealand, but there's tall poppy everywhere. But I also do believe, and Nick, you summed it up beautifully as well, is I, I think it's everywhere. I don't think it's just in Indian cultures or Maori cultures or where, wherever. It is everywhere. But Neelu, I just want to also talk about, you know, you're a, you, you run a cosmetic clinic, but it sounds like you're also a counsellor as well. So these women are getting a two-for-one deal. And, you know, I, I, you, you said it beautifully at the start, like people do trust you. That owner said that they don't, people won't trust you because you're Indian. That is the complete opposite of who you are. And I just also want to know, like, because Nick and I at the moment are doing, we've just, we've just invested in ourselves to do so much more inner work because you don't arrive. You don't just become someone and then that's it. You've, you've still got to do the work. And that's completely what you've done, Neelu, from when you left in 2004 to, to even now. So as a mum, as a devoted wife, as a business owner of a cosmetic clinic and also a wellness coach, Neelu, tell me, because I've got my pen and paper ready, I want to know this answer. And I know you've just spoken about lack of discipline and making sure women prioritize themselves, but I'm sure we've got a bit more. Tell me what are your non-negotiables, life hacks that are going to help and have helped you stay consistent throughout every area in your life. Okay, 6.30 a.m., Monday to Friday, breathe and meditate. That's my go-to, come what may. I have a good uh, around 10, 12 people who come to me regularly for years. Now we have small Zoom sessions every morning, 6.30 to 7.30, Monday to Friday. Saturday could be a cheat day. Otherwise I meet uh, one of my friends on the beach. 
Sunday, I take a bigger community class, 8 to 10 in the morning. That is my breathing and meditation workshop. So generally, I would say discipline for me, yes. I'm blessed that I've got a very strong willpower and I'm very disciplined. So breathing and meditation, breathing and meditation, nothing else has worked for me. If um, I haven't gone into a little bit of a story in the past, so I'll rewind it back to when I was supposed to come to New Zealand, I lost my only brother. That was 2003 and I was under acute depression. So I was under psychiatric treatment. I was having tablets. Uh, my child was three and a half, four years. I didn't even look after him. It was only my mate and her three kids who used to be his best buddies. And that was the only lady I used to go and talk to her. I stopped going to work and I used to cry, cry, cry. I didn't know where life was taking me. I was an antidepressant. That, like, I don't know where the life was going. And that time we applied for immigration. It came up. And then just all of a sudden, I got into breathing and meditation and I got into a few courses for my own well-being. And I started doing it and detoxed myself completely. That revived me what I am today. I went back to the same Nilu what I was before. I did the courses, after courses, after courses and landed up in New Zealand. And I become so thankful and grateful for that workshops I've attended. And I became a facilitator and a volunteer for almost 12, 13 years now. Anything which I have to give back to the community, I am always there for it. So when women come and tell me, like what you said, um, Beg, that yes, the, when the woman come to us, two for one deal, beautifully said. But honestly, Beg, if I'll be very honest to you, what I'll go back to the same statement, what I made, women are not true to themselves. So I may be talking with them anything, I've stopped doing it now. My hands are, I'm a healer. So my hands are healing. So generally, I give them a little message. They feel, oh, we feel very relaxed, Nilu. I don't tell them what I do. I used to give them everything. Like when they come for skin concerns, they have mad, absolute eczema on the skin, breakouts on the skin. Just five minutes of breathing can transform it. I guarantee it. Mm. But they want to buy products of $500, but not five minutes for their own breath. So women, if you're listening, go inner to outer it's gonna work it creates magic i guarantee it i can take any challenge on it so meditation and breathing has transformed me completely what i'm speaking is right from here but if you're not true to yourself no product will work oh, that's right there is oh i love that inner to outer first and it's so true because, of course, we want the quick fix yes. and we want to avoid the work and we want to avoid the pain and we want to avoid the emotion, all of that stuff. But it's like we can't if we really want the results and we really want to understand who we truly are. And I just I was sitting here just uh, writing some notes from the things that you said, Neelu. I'm going to have to do like a little quote thing up with your name. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many great things, but I mean, ladies who are listening in, the thing that I get from you, Nilo, is strength. You have strength. And I think that you weren't just given it. I think you were given strength as a head start and you built on it. And I'm so glad that you were given that and you did build on it because I can see you leading and transforming so many women and just guiding them on a path. And it's it, it's so needed and it's such a beautiful thing. And when you when you said, I am not showing up anywhere I have to act, oh, that is just, and I could feel your conviction. And whether it took you 52 years to get there, how do we help women get there quicker? 
because that like that feeling of I am not showing up anywhere I have to act and like what a release it would be for so many women I love that and then you also mentioned that be the person someone can talk to that's I think a beautiful skill that you have um, and a gift that you have but also if you're on the other end of this you need to find the person you can talk to because and we had a mentor say this to us as well she said you know women women can solve our own problems if we speak them out loud if we speak them out loud to each other we figure our shit out really quick so I love that um, and acknowledge your emotions and act on them wisely slow down and act on them wisely I just think that's so good and, and the thing that I get from you is just get up get up and get going over and over if you're down right now no one's coming to save you like get up and go get them absolutely I think you should have good girlfriends like Beck and Nick I've got a very beautiful girlfriend in my life too and you need to have girlfriends you need to have real good friends around you don't be artificial to them mm. now Neelu I have a question for you because I know if I was listening to this podcast I would want to know, is there an app? Is there something that I could go and take action on right now to help with my breathing or meditation? So, I mean, everyone will give all your details and they can go follow you, but is there anything as a beginner that someone could go and take action right now that you could let us know, like any tips, please? Absolutely straightforward. So whenever you're feeling a little anxious, you don't know what to do, the light your whole mind is clouded, what to do, what not to do, take three inhalations from the nose and exhale six exhalations. So double the count of exhalations, then inhalation. It could be any count. So if we count in, we go one, two, three, and exhale from the nostril, one, two, three, four, five, six. If you could do it for five minutes a day, you would feel it straight away. How relaxed will you feel? Oh, I'm, I'm beginning that. I'm going to start that. Always remember, slower the breath, better the health. So just focus on you. You can live without food, water, friends, books, but friends, you cannot live without breath. Work on it. Mm. So beautiful. Amazing. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, it would mean the world to us if you shared it with others. Until next time, drink the wine, have a laugh, learn the thing, do the thing, and be the woman you know you are. Make sure to stay connected and let's keep the conversations going. Cheers.